You are now listening to Soul Search Podcast with Ava and Marcella. A podcast dedicated to exploring mental health issues in relation to race, identity, and culture. Bam. Lovely. All right, everybody. So we are here. And we're going to record another episode for y'all on this fine Sunday. Um, So this, this one here, we're talking about something that some of you may have seen popping up on social media or maybe even in like articles and things lately. Um, Tone policing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I've, I know I've seen it a lot more on social media than I have in the past, especially when the protesting a few months ago was mm-hmm. really ramping up. And there was, I mean, I think there's still discussion going on, but obviously it's calmed down a bit. Um, but whenever everyone, literally everyone was talking about the protests, um, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, like 24 yeah. seven, I feel like this topic came up a lot. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it here and there, like, and after learning a little more and I guess I'm still grappling with it, honestly, like the mm-hmm. whole, it's, it's, it's very simple in its definition, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of gray with it. I think mm-hmm. it can be mm-hmm. depending on perspectives and how, how you view things. Um, because um, when we think of tone, we think of like tone of voice kind of thing, mm-hmm. what have you. And that's a big part of what it is. But I think you like emotion mostly, like basically telling people what to show. Yes. Yes. And well, okay. I guess before we go super into it, I'll read off what there's an article on medium, um, medium.com regarding tone policing and um, its definition says um, tone policing describes a diversionary tactic used when a person purposeful or purposely turns away from the message behind the interlocutor's argument in order to focus solely on the delivery of it. So to break that down, it is basically a method used to cease talking about the issue and instead talk about how the person is delivering the message. So for example, if Ava was really upset about a topic we can use, we can use the death of Breonna Taylor and how, you know, people have not been arrested for her murder. Mm-hmm. And she was showing emotion behind her argument. And I was like, well, wait, 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 let's like calm down. And like, let's talk about this like adults. Mm. So that would be an example of that. So I'm not even listening to what she's saying. I'm not saying, wow, I really hear that you're upset about what has happened. I'm saying, Whew, let's get you calmed down and let's focus on that instead. Mm. So like, in a way, it's like deflecting. From what needs to be looked at and within the person like telling someone their feelings are valid is not even a part of the equation. It's more about taking us away from what is actually being said and also how it's important to the person that's saying it. And I think too, honestly, I mean, I would imagine that when this happens, I I don't think 
the person on the other side, the one who's doing the tone policing, I don't think they realize that they're doing that invalidation, that they're taking away from the argument. They think that they are, I guess, calming that person down, or maybe, maybe even they think they're comforting them and, and saying, okay, like, let's slow down, da, da, yeah. but, um, but yeah, it is on a subconscious level, a, a, a distraction or a way to divert the conversation and take control of the conversation is what it seems like. Oh, yeah. I think that's, you hit it right there, the taking control of it. Not, and maybe not deliberately, of course. Like, I think I've seen this happen Mm -hmm. in multiple instances, maybe due to the person who's doing the tone policing's discomfort with it, or Mm -hmm. it's not like, there's, I don't think there has to be malice attached to it. So let's Mm -hmm. let's start there. Mm Because I think maybe some folks listening may be like, oh, they're doing that tone policing because they don't want to talk about the issues. Right. But, and that may be true in a way, because Mm -hmm. let's, let's get something, I guess, out there. It is not easy to talk about these things. So a lot of times when things are not easy, they're not smooth to talk about, we sometimes run from them or we are uncomfortable and we try our best to make the situation comfortable for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that oftentimes can take away from what is important to a person that is with us mm-hmm. having a moment, needing a moment, mm-hmm. and we may feel ill-prepared for that moment. And so, yeah, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, they're uncomfortable with the emotions behind the person's argument. And um, I, I don't think they know how to express that like with saying like hey I'm really uncomfortable with the way you're delivering this like I know this issue is important but like I don't know how to yeah talk about this with you but like then also is that still tone policing I think it's very challenging to you know because no one I understand like no one wants to be feel attacked no one wants to be yelled at no one wants to be you know feeling belittled but um but I think tone policing is not necessarily, I don't think that includes like being berated. Like obviously if someone's like berating you and you know, getting out of pocket, like we see on these videos in the grocery stores about masks, like, you know what I mean? Like that's different. <laughs> there y'all, cause the comparisons with those things, come on. Yeah, right. But I think if someone is just speaking from a place of, emotion passion um just feeling maybe there's maybe they're crying maybe their voice is raised maybe they are um using like body language to express what they're trying you know trying to say um and someone is trying to manage that and want it to be a very like hmm well academic discussion and big words and cognitive that I think is where it falls into that tone policing. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it doesn't always have to be that academic discussion, especially when we're speaking with passion and we're speaking with conviction and we're like, I have to get my point across because sometimes things take over you, you know, and you, you get very wrapped up in your emotion. And whenever someone, I know for me in times when I've been in that space and someone tells me to calm down or to, cause that's something else I saw was like a calm down. It was like a big thing with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to say it like that or what have you. Like I get even more riled up. Oh so, yeah. Or being told that what I'm, that's like one of the worst things you could do. 
in my opinion, is tell me that I need to shush, pipe down a little bit, because I feel that it may be taking away from what I'm trying to express. It's like, okay, so you're more uncomfortable with my, like, like it said, delivery, mm -hmm. rather than you actually trying to hear me out. Because I think that's what we all want is to be heard. Whether you agree with me or not, I just want to be heard. Yes. And I wonder, I mean, do you feel, so you feel like you've been tone police before? Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Maybe even with, with folks that I'm close to, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in a, in an environment where I am, you know, I don't have a relationship with them personally. Mm -hmm. Like it could be like a workplace. I mean, that, that hasn't necessarily happened because that's something I choose not to talk about around people at work, unless it's someone that I know that I can talk to about that. But typically I try my best not to. Mm -hmm. um but in the more personal settings in my life I definitely feel that I've been told police by people that I'm around all the time yeah you know because you could be around folks all the time and not share those really really firm views and beliefs and feelings that you have mm -hmm. and then you do and then you start to see like yeah we may share blood but mm -hmm. we don't have the same or maybe you don't want to hear me talk about this i have folks in my family that aren't necessarily big on talking about the movement mm -hmm. the black lives matter movement things mm -hmm. like that whereas for me i'm like yeah we still need to talk about it and mm -hmm. a lot of folks that i'm around maybe don't want to talk about it often and maybe don't want to talk about the things that i want to talk about and yeah so like kind of like oh you you care a lot about that you know that kind of thing and it's like yeah you don't and <laughs> I try my best not to be in that in that yeah. space so in a sense I guess we could look at like responses to being tone police. Like how do, how do we, how do we handle that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm trying to think, I, I think I have been tone policed as well, but not from a place of like, um, dealing with racial justice issues and things like that. I think it's been more of, um, like if I get excited just about a topic in general, um, it's, I wonder if it's more from like a, I'm a, I'm a loud woman kind of person. You know what I mean? Like, like, Good point. like I am a person who like talks with my hands. I have a loud voice. Like you have a presence. I, I use my space to like, and I like, I don't know, like that's just how I communicate. Right. And so, and I think some people get overwhelmed by that at times, or maybe I don't even, but I don't sense that they're overwhelmed. I think they just don't like it. So they, so I've been told like, oh my gosh, you're so loud. And I'm like, oh man, like I could see how in some ways that's like not appropriate for me to be loud in certain settings. But I also know that I don't do it when it's inappropriate. So to me, it's just like, oh, you just don't like that I'm, I'm loud. loud. Yeah. Huh. So I feel like I've gotten it in that way. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, I'm sure women and people of color, like, don't let you be both, honey, because you really gonna get it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, like, I could, I, I mean, I feel like I see it, you know, in some of these speeches done at protests when, it, you know, especially a black woman saying something and maybe she'll cry or maybe she'll get emotional. And I don't, people like, it's sad, but people don't take that as seriously. No, they don't. They don't. And it's like, well, why is her message less important than someone who says it in a calm tone? Like, why? I wonder where that comes from. began. 
yeah, why it's a problem. I'm, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I remember looking at a lot of the footage of protests in Los Angeles, and there were a lot of celebrities and like folk with followings and things that were in in the press. Like I, I've seen many videos of like our good our good boy Nathan from Insecure. He was like in the forefront. Kendrick yeah. Sampson, like he has a very strong presence in activism. Right. And he was doing a lot. He speaks, I noticed the difference between say him and like Michael B. Jordan, right? Mm. So um, Kendrick was very loud. He was very, I mean, he was cursing. He was, or swearing. Let me say swearing. Mm-hmm. I like saying swearing. He was okay. swearing. <laughs> it sounds very old world in a way to me. Um, he was doing that. He was very like just he was bucktastic. That's what I like to call it. Like, like hyped up a little bit. He was, yeah. But he mm-hmm. also was speaking very clearly, very eloquently. He was like, This is what it is. I'm using these GRE words, like y'all gonna hear me. Mm-hmm. And Michael got up there and he was very you could tell he was feeling things, mm-hmm. but he was a lot more tame. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me seeing people of color do things different ways, but then you see a lot of the women um, who led or are the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, the Mm -hmm. creators, the pushers, Mm -hmm. and they were very passionate. Mm -hmm. There were tears. Mm -hmm. There was, I've seen, there were many other women that I saw who were leading, who were talking and sharing like young girls too like um there's a young lady that plays on the show little fires everywhere named lexi underwood she's like 16 or 17 or something she was talking and you could tell that she had like this feeling of maybe trying to be tame but still wanting to you need emotion to get the point across right like i think in some ways there needs to be a, a sense of seeing that and I think seeing a man like Kendrick being loud and proud and bucktastic, as I like to call it, and then you see a woman who's maybe trying to hold it together mm-hmm. when you know, like, I, I don't know, us counselors, we can kind of read a, read a situation pretty well. And I was like, this girl looked like she want to break down, mm-hmm. but she's trying not to in a way because she feels like she needs to get her point across. She needs to be able to say the words, you know, and that's a struggle. It's like an internal struggle. Yeah, it's a, I, I would imagine it takes so much emotional regulation on their part. I mean, I know I've definitely had to do that myself. It makes me think of like two two things. So like one, it makes me think of um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's recent speech uh, regarding being, um, you know, called, you know, a bunch of derogatory terms by, I guess, another man in Congress. Um, and she went and delivered her, her thoughts on, on the incident. And she was very, I guess you could say, composed, for lack of a better word. But you also saw passion, but she remained very, like, thoughtful about her words. She was very, um, she didn't go in. And it was funny because, um, because someone I know was like, oh, I wish she, she, she should have gone in harder. She should have gone in harder. And I was like, no, she couldn't have, because if she did, that would have been the focus of how people responded to that. They would have taken away from her message simply because of who she is, what she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She but, right. Exactly. It's, it's, 
and it's so, what a, actually I love this example with her and that man. I don't know his name. I don't care to learn his name if he's going to talk about women that way. But you know, he he said in his his response to what he said to her, um, he said, you know, I don't want to apologize for my or I, he's like I. I think he said he'll apologize, but he doesn't want to apologize for his passion. And it's like, so why is that okay and acceptable in some circles? And he's a white man, but her, she has to work. I think it's like doing mental gymnastics. I mean, I would imagine she had to navigate that very wisely, very ta- like with tact. Otherwise it would have been, oh, we're going to focus on the way she delivered her response to this rather than the fact that she was called derogatory terms on like Congress steps. Mm -hmm. I think she faces a lot with that. Mm -hmm. I have seen her go in. I have seen Mm -hmm. her go to, and I, me being a woman, I respect it because it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so many times Mm -hmm. we experience this like internal I, I view it as like a, a vibration you can't control like you know when your body gets to vibrating and you're shaking like a leaf because mm-hmm. you have so much going on within you emotionally and you're trying to get your point across that's a very hard place to be in and seeing her tackle that time and time again is very commendable I respect it and then knowing that she has to deal with that often and then think about do I want them to focus on me speaking with passion or do I need to kind of slow myself down mm-hmm. when really inside of me organically I want to probably get up and swing my arms a little bit mm-hmm. and stretch some before mm-hmm. I even get started because I'm really about to hand him you know his ass and God and forbid if you cry yeah yeah like she I think that is a great example and I'm glad you brought that up and it just goes back to the difference between people and their personal culture and their worldview and how some people are allotted more space to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Passionate, emotional. Frustrated mm-hmm. and show it while they're delivering their message. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to, to do both for a lot of us. Yes, and I think the most challenging part is the fact that I think people do have to recognize that people may not listen to you when you are emotional. And, and, and so it's like, yes, that's almost giving into this unhealthy standard, you know, I mean, I don't think it's right, but I do think it is the reality. I mean, would you agree? It's, it's, I mean, I don't think it's fair and I don't want people to hear this thinking that it's like, you know, but I, I do think that's something that is a reality and something that people have to consider when they're talking about different things um, and depending on who the audience is, too. Absolutely. You know, the thing about that, I think you're correct in that. And I think it's a hard thing. It's one of those things that we don't necessarily want to be true. And that's what makes it hard for us to admit it. Mm-hmm. Or to mm-hmm. say it's hard for us to say it because it's not something that we want to be the the truth. We don't want it to be fact. So mm-hmm. I know I don't, but mm-hmm. it, it's a very real thing because it's, we've seen it so much and it's, we have evidence to show mm-hmm. that there are people that will deny what you're saying simply because how you're saying it mm-hmm. is not congruent with what they want to hear. Right. Exactly. And I know, you know, 
and so I said earlier, this made me think of two things. It makes me think of a second thing in that recently um, I did catch up with um, some friends of ours. It's a couple that we're friends with and all of this stuff kind of started coming up and they're white and, and, you know, me and my significant other are not white. Um, or we're like, you know, it's confusing when you're like a non-black person of color, but anyway, we're not white. And so, and so we this all came up I can't remember how it always does whenever we all get together this stuff always does and, and we can navigate it but at some point I like took the reins in this conversation and I was like going in like I was like you know this, like I can't even I wish I could remember what all what was said but I know it was definitely talking about you know that um people of color have extra barriers and white privilege and things like that. Like that, like, I think I was talking about like, yes, this does exist. Yes. Um, people of color, you know, have other obstacles to face and da, da, da. And I know I was like using my body. My voice was probably a little louder than it typically would be. I think I even like was making some faces like, <laughs> you know, just some, like wide eyes, like whatever. You're doing it. Cause you're so, just immersed in whatever it is that you're Oh, doing. yes, definitely. And then, um, and I think I sat, you know, I was probably like, I, I think my significant other was a little like, ooh, okay, she, she's getting ready. She's like <laughs> getting ready. Like she's gearing up. But the beautiful thing about that conversation was that the other person did listen, did take it in, I think took what I was saying seriously. And I think they were digesting. I don't know that I've changed their mind in any kind of way. And that's uh, fine. You know, that's, uh, I can't control that. But I will say it was nice for them to listen and to not make a comment on how yeah. I delivered that. You know, I think they could tell it was important to me and that i really appreciated that you know that's important for us to look at because there is a way to avoid any escalation of anything when this happens i think it relies on both parties or one over the other depending on the situation i think we have to acknowledge i think the truth that you mentioned earlier and the fact that folks sometimes are not going to listen to us because of how we deliver mm -hmm. with emotion. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is going to listen to you for whatever reason. And that's something that we kind of have to accept and be okay. Not enough. You don't have to be okay with it, but I think we do have to like accept it and be yeah. like, all right, well you ain't listening. All right. Maybe I need to do the work somewhere else kind of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's such a great experience when someone is willing to mm -hmm. look you in the eye, mm -hmm. process it mm -hmm. to the best of their ability, take things in as best they can, like, mm -hmm. and just like have a, have a true active listening conversation. Like, you, you know, it, you, no matter how they deliver it, you know, something that we learn as counselors and social workers, psychologists, whatever, I know us counselors, I can speak only for counselors, Mm -hmm. we learned very early on about active listening, unconditional positive regard, like being in the here and now, really being immersed in the moment and listening actively to what the person is saying to you and having, doing your best to empathize and like gather it. 
-hmm. And I remember having conversations first semester of graduate school with people and being like, well, damn, everybody needs to take this class or everybody needs to learn about this because it is something that I think a lot of us don't ever have a conversation about. For me, being the kind of person that I am, I was like, okay, I knew this already. You know, this is how I, how I try my best to do with most people in my life or anybody. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody comes to me in the grocery store, I'll listen to them because I'm a uh-huh. Southerner and I like, you know, like I've yeah. had so many people like, and it's weird yeah. how folks just kind of can spot you. Like, you, does that yeah. happen to you where they're like, I feel like she'll listen to me. Like, I feel like they see yeah. that. Not so much in a grocery store, but in de- like whenever I went to Italy or whatever, like my little partner on my little bus trip thing, like who I sat next to was like, oh, like, what do you do for work? And I was like, oh, I'm a therapist. And they were like, I felt that. Like I felt that like that too. I was like, okay. <laughs> so no, I think there is definitely a vibe that a lot of um therapists, people who work in those kinds of fields, even probably like teachers and nurturers yeah, teacher, kind of um even like helping fields, helping yeah, fields. Like doctors, whoever. Like you kind of give you give mm-hmm. that off. And mm-hmm. I've had moments like that too. Like at the grocery store, they don't start telling you their business, of course, but they feel like they can like ask me a question or like be like, yeah. You, you seem like you know what you're doing right here. What are you doing? <laughs> always like an older woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's great. And I'm like, yes, girl, come on over here. But not during a pandemic. We're not talking during a pandemic. But it's like, but, back up. Even if we <laughs> have a mask on, like six feet. Um, I follow rules. So it's like, I think people can spot things out within you. But more to the point, whenever you kind of already have that or you've learned that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us who are counselors we knew that we had that and we've entered the field Mm -hmm. but something that more people I think who aren't in that like we all need to take a look at how we listen to each other and yeah. how we process things when people are talking to us you know it's not about me right now when words are coming out of your mouth it's not about me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's about what you're trying to say mm-hmm. no I like the way you put that like this is just about listening this is like you said it's not just because someone is emotional it doesn't mean it's a personal attack against you and 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 I think and I think I would imagine something that could maybe help is if someone is you know, emotional or their delivery is different than how you want it to be to really just check yourself and really acknowledge the discomfort. And if you have a good relationship with this person, I think expressing that is a completely appropriate is saying, look, I really want to listen to what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're saying, but I am uncomfortable right now. So please forgive me if I am, you know, having some difficulty navigating this because I'm just not used to this kind of conversation. You know, I mean, I think it's okay to be transparent about that. And that way the two of you can work on that together and to say, okay, all right. So this is like, and even I think too, um, summarizing what they just said. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is you're upset because of this, this, and this, do I have that right? And like making sure you're really in taking the information that they're giving you. Um, so it's a bit of a dance. It's a, I mean, it's a bit of a dance, but I, I think it's totally fine to use that as a growing opportunity for you to like engage in some of that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've talked to a few friends and like, who are not 
black and mm-hmm. i remember we were talking or not people of color more so um but i remember us talking about that in our black lives in america episode and maybe ones to follow about like the people that we have in our lives and looking at like you know the people we're around and what their ethnic backgrounds are mm-hmm. or maybe looking at the fact that like i have like maybe three guy friends mm-hmm. um everybody else is women mm-hmm. um and there aren't many of them you know but most of my the women in my circle are black women um but in talking with two of my white friends for sure I remember them acknowledging and they're like in a sense you needing as a person of color or me as being a black woman I didn't feel that I needed them to tell me that they heard me or that they were feeling things but it did it make me feel pretty good that two people who have totally different experiences validated mine That's yeah right. mm-hmm. yeah like I'm not gonna be one of those I'm not one of those people that's gonna say your white words don't matter to me because in a sense like we all exist in this world and we need each other they do mm-hmm. so it's like I I want you to say I want I, I'm glad that you shared that with me is it that I needed it no mm-hmm. I would have been fine without it but hearing it is like music to my ears mm-hmm. you know? you're right that's so that's so true especially yeah yeah that's just a good point validation like we need we need it in some in some way like when someone is expressing something we don't just say things because like just for no reason sometimes mm-hmm. things do slip out whatever but like when it's something that is meaningful to us oftentimes we say it with purpose mm-hmm. and whenever you're speaking with purpose and whether a person is deliberately or not mm-hmm. saying saying something to maybe make you feel shushed, mm-hmm. it does feel it feels a way. It feels it feels pretty pretty kind. Of, it can feel kind of hurtful. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that as well, like how is what I'm saying to them? If I tell them that I don't want to hear this, or if I'm telling them to speed up their story, or if I'm telling them all of that isn't important to what's happening right now, or whatever. I'm telling them that they're clearly in a, in a space where they feel passionate about something. How are they going to take this and how are they going to feel? How is it going to affect our relationship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and following with what Marcella was saying, you know, there are better ways to express your discomfort mm-hmm. by simply acknowledging it and, and making it known. It's okay to do that. I think we have such a huge culture in this place mm-hmm. of, not wanting to acknowledge the discomfort that's happening right and it's like no we're human beings and this is something that happens so it's okay to say yeah kind of like we don't want people to know we pass gas like all people pass gas they excuse me and call it a damn day but we're out here trying to ignore things that happen with humans like And I think the older we get, I think, you know, it's more and more comfortable for us. I noticed that within my friend groups too, like we're just acknowledging discomfort in our lives overall. But I could see how if you are a teenager in your early 20s, that's very, very hard to acknowledge some of those things. I think it takes a lot of, not a lot, but it takes some experience to be able to get there and communicate it. And I think to add on to that um, acknowledgement of the discomfort, to acknowledge if you don't understand, like in that conversation I had with my friend, like 
I think it was a lot for him to digest. And I like totally, that's fine. Like if that's, you, you know, like I said, it's not my job to necessarily change your mind, but, but I think he acknowledged like, wow, this is just like a lot for me to wrap my head around. And I don't know that I understand what you're saying, but like, okay, I'm going to sit on this, you know? And like, that's what you need to do as well. Like, you know, I think that is like the, the that's the least you could do, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's a big deal and it means a lot. Yeah. It means a whole lot rather than saying the, the shushy type responses. Mm -hmm. It's more productive for us Mm -hmm. to try our best to speak with empathy, Mm -hmm. whether we understand or not. Mm -hmm. And, and just know like, okay, I want this person to be able to do and say what they want to say. If, and think about it like this. If, if what they're saying is not directed towards you and you don't feel disrespected, or even mm-hmm. if you do, like, mm-hmm. acknowledgement, stating it. Stating right. It, where, right. Where, when you feel safe enough, you know, like, I think it, so many situations can be used as an example here. And I think having this discussion is important. I think we need to have more discussions about this. And maybe those of you listening might think about times when you've experienced this or maybe when you felt that oh well maybe I did tone police my auntie that time or maybe Mm -hmm. I did that at work you know think about the times that you've done it and maybe like reflect on how if it comes up again in the future how you're going to be more productive with the conversation and think about the feelings of the other person you know right Um, right and pay attention to the content of what they're saying and like I said earlier I don't know if I said it on the podcast I know I said it to you is that you know I found myself doing the same thing I wish I could remember what it was because it's really bugging me now but like I was watching something and I was like "Ooh, they're really like riled up and like no one's gonna listen to them like no it's just not gonna happen and like I was like "Ooh, I don't like that I just had that thought but Oh, okay, I had it. And I think that's what I texted you. I was like, we didn't talk about tone policing. <laughs> it was because I was like, wait a minute. Yes, because I felt like, I mean, it sucks to feel that way. It sucks to feel that that I could be a part of the problem. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. You know, I think, but I think it's good that I acknowledge that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I was thinking... I w- it made me think of like the view that show the view. Do you ever watch that show? I can't. I can, I've, I've watched here and there. I've seen clips like when things happen. Right. It pops up. But I, I wonder if people don't like it because it's like a tone policing thing. Maybe. Because they're like four women who kind of yell at each other a lot. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I wonder. I moments where I, the things that I have seen. They make me laugh where I'm like, damn, Whoopi. I like Whoopi and Joy Behar. Cracks me up. The way she's like, well, no. Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) But people just talk about how they're like mean to each other. And I'm like, well, wait, are we just tone policing? I'm just questioning everything now. (laughs) Marcella, you're right. Because I think that's why I don't necessarily watch it. It is a lot. It's uncomfortable. It riles me up. Some of the things that people on the show may say, some of the, like a host or two, where I'm like, ooh, girl. Mm -mm." Mm -hmm. And I'm watching it, and I just, 
I get like frustrated. I have my hands on my face, like your boy in um, Home Alone, where I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh, no, I can't. So I get in the mode where I want to be angry too and argumentative. And I don't want to feel that way. And I don't want to feel, but like, it's like that happens though. Right. I think it, I mean, gosh, this has to be largely cultural, you know, because I mean, you look at like different cultures and communicating in this way, like in that way of like loud emotions, body language, maybe even cursing um, is appropriate. Yes, absolutely. I I wonder if it's just like an American or maybe like it's a year. I don't know. Because like, I know, I think Italian people kind of communicate that way and like it's a stereotype in latin households to communicate that way so maybe it's just like a like a wasp stereotype to be very like demure and Mm -hmm. factual and yeah like a debate Mm -hmm. i think it is a cultural thing for sure i think and in other and on the other end of things i think there are cultures that do things the total opposite where they're like we don't Mm -hmm. get even close to riled up Mm -hmm. you don't do that british people probably yeah (laughs) or even like some asian cultures i think they handle it very differently like Mm -hmm. it's not about to be all that you know Mm -hmm. Um, acknowledging maybe too that like maybe if there is a cultural difference um that no culture is should be valued more than the other too you know like if whatever interaction someone is in Mm -hmm. um if they note that there is a cultural difference and I think that's important too especially even like regionally like that the way we communicate in the south is different the way people communicate in the north you know and so maybe just to recognize that like that is probably playing a role and and but that doesn't mean any one per one way is better than the other it's just different it's just different and we have to be okay with that Mm -hmm. that's the whole premise of like understanding culture and knowing that like ours is not the only one there's so many Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. i mean millions billions of Mm -hmm. different ways that people handle things there are people within black culture who have very different ways of communicating there are people in latin culture very different ways of communicating even white folks Mm -hmm. different ways of doing things different ways of like handling we don't we don't want to look at it as like you know looking at race or even like with women there are women Mm -hmm. out there who Mm -hmm. handle things differently we're all we all have our own set Mm -hmm. of life rules mm-hmm. ethics mm-hmm. guidelines within our culture and our worldview so we have to respect that and honor that in other people so if someone else if you are a person who is a lot more tame and you live by that and that's okay with you that doesn't mean that your coworker or your friend or your family member is doing things the same way that you are when it comes mm-hmm. to their communication mm-hmm. you know it's just understanding that my brother and I it's just me and him, mm-hmm. right? Like we're the only two kids. We are in the same, we're both millennials. Mm-hmm. We are 13 months apart in age, mm-hmm. different gender, um, of course. And 
Sydney and I have very different ways of communicating. Mm -hmm. Different ways of, of emotional stuff. Like he's way more tame than me when it comes to his emotions. Thousands and thousands of different ways that we do things. Mm -hmm. Communication is one. And he doesn't like to get in a space where he is riled up or that he gets extremely passionate. His passion is in his like cars and his video games and mm -hmm. his like very boyish things that he uh -huh. likes. Me on the other hand, I'm talking about, you know, the heavier stuff. Sydney will dabble in it if someone else brings it up. Me, I'm like wearing it on a t-shirt in your house want to put it in your face sydney's more if it comes up it comes up and i'll talk about it but i'm not gonna get all stirred up right we come from the same house raised by the same two people mm -hmm. so for sure if you're around somebody else who grew up in a whole different house in a whole different place you need to try your best to understand this is how they do things this mm -hmm. is what they're doing this is okay for them i'm not going to tell them exactly Mm -hmm. how they need to deliver their information do i have to agree with it absolutely not mm -hmm. um but like meeting people where they are is a big part yes. of it like yes meeting people where they are to put it simply yeah just yep i think that that sums it up nicely and it seems like from you know what i read there's a that medium article and honestly if you just google tone policing there's this beautiful comic that comes up and breaks it down yeah. wonderfully um I wish I could, oh wait, maybe I have the person's name one second. Let me see if I can pull it up. But it seems that um, it's on everydayfeminism.com. And it's, um, and I think it's on, actually on a few other websites as well. It's just very popular, but it's a little comic um, that breaks down the, what tone policing is. And, um, but yeah, it, it seems like across the board, they kind of finish it with, there's no solution, but just to listen, listen to the person who is saying something and, and to check your own biases, check your own reactions, your own discomfort and, and let go of trying to control the other person and to take control of the conversation. Um, that's where it really seemed to kind of like, that's what most of them kind of landed on is just be a good listener, meet them halfway. And I think when you said that, I think it's, that's something that I'll, I want to share is just like that basic listening, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the basic listening skills that a lot of us may not have learned and may not, um, may not come naturally to us. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think there's, there's a difference with, with everyone. Like, we may have been, I don't think I was ever talked to before graduate school about listening, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like ever. But some of us may have had to be told throughout our lifetimes, like, and that's okay. Like we're all different people. You may have been told when you were like seven, like, I need you to listen. I need you to listen to what I'm saying. And then you heard it again when you were 10 and then you heard it again when you were 15. And you know, it's, it's a journey for some of us. It's, a, it's an actual skill. Mm -hmm. that is innate for some and for others it may not be mm -hmm. but it's something that you can actively try your best to do better in and why not start with situations like this or even just simply not ignoring folks when they're 
in the midst of expressing themselves, whether you disagree or not. Like there could be a person outside, I'm looking out the window right now, there could be somebody outside the window screaming about some stuff that I just simply do not agree with. And I'm probably, me, I'm probably still gonna listen to what they're saying. Yeah. I'm gonna want what's best for them. I'm gonna want them to do better if I don't agree, whatever it is. But um, do they have a right to say it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, let people express themselves. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's how we learn mm-hmm. for good or for bad. So, yeah. I'm glad we talked about this. I mean, I think it's something that's just an evolving, evolving conversation, but I hope more people start paying attention to it because I do feel like it can be used as a, you know, tone policing can be used as a way to dismiss um, valid arguments that are really, really important. So, so I think it's just something to pay attention to. And I hope people kind of um, I mean, me and you both have some more learning to do regarding it, but I hope this kind of opened up a door for people to introduce themselves to it as well. Yeah, because that's what we want to do with this. We want to just start thought processes and conversations. Yeah. With self or with others, you know, whatever you want to do. Yes. So that's, yeah. that's our topic for this week. We definitely want to um, dive into our other little segment that we like to do um what's feeding your soul yes yes you want me to go first you go first i feel like i went first last time okay you might have i think so um okay what has been feeding my soul i feel like it's been a few different things Mm -hmm. but the one that's sticking out to me right now it's so funny to me i got um the the I ordered Midnight Sun, the new Twilight book that came out. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Hold the phone. So I saw you post about that on Instagram. Girl, I had to do it. I had to do it. Like, okay. So let me tell you, like Twilight, I read it in high school and I was like kind of into it. Like the books were decent. And then I saw the movie and I was like, this is trash. Like this movie is trash. I'm never watching it again. Well, I have a dear friend. Her name's Leah. A dear, dear friend. And we just bond over how much that movie makes us laugh because it's so dumb and the acting is not good. It's just awkward. Or maybe that's on purpose. Maybe it's brilliant. I have no idea, but we're just obsessed with it. And so, so we'll always, anytime Twilight's like on TV, we're like, Twilight's on TV, like go watch it. And we'll just like quote it. And it's just, it brings us a lot of joy. And so um, the author, I think 10 years ago was going to write a book from the vampire's perspective. You know, it's all from this girl who falls in love with a vampire's perspective, these books. Well, 10 years ago, she was like, I'm going to write one from the guy's perspective of when he met her, all that stuff. And so, but then they leaked it. Someone leaked it online, like whatever she had written. So she stopped writing it. I did not know that. Yeah, they put it on the internet and she was like, I think just like this, like she was like, this sucks. Like my work is like out there and it's not even finished. It's not with my own permission. It's no one's paying for it, you know? So, um, but now she put it out 10 years later, she finished the book and I thought, and, and it's, 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 it's feeding my soul. I don't know what else to say. It just makes me laugh. And it's not even a funny book, but it just makes me laugh. <laughs> you know it, it does have that, like, um, 
that that I don't know that awkward like humorous piece to it because the movies did tickle me as well. The like, movie, I didn't finish watching all of them, and they, they were amazingly yeah. awesome and terrible. Like I don't know how else to say it. They're just so funny to me. Uh, so <laughs> so I'm glad that the book came out. Is there a pomegranate on the cover? Like, what is it? Yes, yes. I actually have it right here. Hold on. That's scary. Oh. But, like, because of vampires? Like, because of blood? I don't know. No, just, like, I don't know. She just picks an object for each cover, of, and it usually has red in it. So, oh. I don't know. Oh. I mean, maybe it'll detail why in the book, but, yeah. I'm like, is it? I'm curious, but this is this is funny. This is too yeah. funny. Where's the yeah. girl? I'm too tickled right now. <laughs> so the only one, honey. I thought I was the only one that was like, really? When I oh, was watching the movies. Oh, I remember. I remember going to the. So this is how this was. I mean, I don't remember when it came out. It had to be 2000 seven or eight or nine something around that time and I remember the hills finale or one of the hills seer like that show the hills with Lauren Conrad yeah it was supposed to be the season finale and me and my friends were gonna watch it together and then they texted me and they were like forget the hills twilight came out and we're gonna go see it and I was like this is the most 2009 memory I have <laughs> I am unable Cause I, I I don't I think the whole I'm gonna I'm gonna do a face y'all can't see it but you know how she always like yeah she always looked like she was just like having some type of breathing it's the yeah you when yeah. she would see him or when they'd be about to kiss yeah. or something like yeah. she just wiggle kind of awkwardly and yeah it was always like what she would like stutter and like. Yeah, I don't, I don't. she was awkward. She'd be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I Saturday Night Live made fun of it, like, yeah, and it was very. I was like, this is accurate to me. Like, I yes, yes. Are, I've read the books, and they're pretty. The books are okay. They're not the best, but they're okay. They work. Yeah. yeah. That is too. So that's been feeding my soul. It just makes me feel younger and like fun and playful. So, um, so that's been mine. What about you? It's been, it's been tough to, to say. Okay, mm -hmm. so I know, I, as a child, Lion King was like my fave, right? Like I loved it. And then as an adult, really as a teenager, I feel like we watched it in biology in high school, which it was like really EBR. Um, we watched it in biology and I was like, this movie really teaches some stuff, right? Like it gives right. you lessons. Simba's great. I like to think of Timon as Pumbaa as like really sweet psychotherapist in my mm -hmm. head now. I'm like, they're okay. me like, you know, there there's some little hippy dippy counselors in a way. Um they're like vegan counselors or something. I don't know. They're not vegan though. They eat insects. So I, I'm just all over the place right now with this. But our good friend Beyonce. Yes. And Black is King. So. Oh, yeah. I watched it twice. One. The thing about it, I didn't really know what to think. And I kind of wanted to go into it. So mm -hmm. y'all know I love the Knoll sisters. Um, the... 
I didn't think it was going to be like Lion King based, but it was. Okay. Did you watch it? No, I mean, I've heard about it, but I haven't sat down to watch it. I don't, I like Beyonce, but I'm not on that level of going to seek like out Beyonce. some of her stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know it was Lion King based either. It has like a, a premise in a way. Like, I, and the, she loves it. I think she's always going to do this. Like, she can't go backwards now. Like, anytime yeah. she puts out an album, it's like she has to put out a full blown visual for every single song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like she can't not do that now because mm-hmm. she's done it for the past three albums mm-hmm. she's put out. So it's like, girl, right. you, can't, you can't not do that. So she, that's basically what this is. And I didn't really know it was going to be like that, but I appreciated more than anything the fact that it gave us some a taste of like lion king like you know mm-hmm. but it was with humans and it, it focused a lot on like african culture mm-hmm. and it blended a lot of different cultures in africa which was interesting um but i love how she highlighted african musicians and actors yeah. where mm-hmm. i was like okay you're like people love her everywhere but yeah, let's let's bring these people to the forefront. Like give them mm-hmm. give them work. Give them like let them show their creativity. And it was really cool to me, like seeing all these African rappers and singers and actors in the in the videos and I don't know, it was just sweet. Like it yeah. it was sweet. It gave like a an adult spin. Not really, but yeah, to me, like mm-hmm. an adult spin. It was more I couldn't see a kid being like, This is really cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe for some, but like it, I think it was more geared toward folks that like grew up with Beyonce, <laughs> like grew up yeah. loving her, and so mm-hmm. I really appreciated it. And it gave me a little something, and like the songs are even mm-hmm. in a different lane than um, what you would expect from her. Okay, so okay. it's it's sweet because you know she did the the live action soundtrack for the, yes. the movie yeah. and everything, and that's basically what it is. It's like her own videos of those songs. And it's just gorgeous. Like, I love seeing Black folks with, with glitter on them, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I just, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I have been, like, appreciating the music more now. Because I didn't really listen to it early until I saw a visual for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this song is kind of great. Now mm-hmm. that I know Beyonce was, like, dancing in the desert. And I can see her dancing in, the, in my head when I listen to it. It's just sweet. And I think the timing was really great for it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I need to go and check it out. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things. It pops up on my TikTok all the time. So like, I've heard a few like clips of things like that, but I heard it's very moving. So I'm sure it's beautiful work. She all I mean, all of her work is beautiful. So and it is nice that she it's like a dedication to, you know, her roots and African culture. I think I love stuff like that. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's the side piece, like if if anything, if you go and watch it, the brown skin girl part. Oh, I love that song. Brought mm-hmm. me to literal tears. I don't even know. I've seen other people. I went on Twitter mm-hmm. and I looked and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. who else cried? Because I know I did. And mm-hmm. other people were like, I don't know what's happening to me right now, but my throat is closing up. <laughs> and it was just like the way she did it it was the way whoever directed that Mm -hmm. bravo whoever produced it it was gorgeous and it Mm -hmm. wasn't just like I think something I appreciated about it I think the song is more geared toward like black girls but there was an Indian girl in the video Uh, you know mm -hmm. like 
it was just sweet mm-hmm. to see that. And it's like, that song is just great. If you haven't listened to it. Oh, I love that song. I didn't realize there was a visual. I didn't realize that was part of this. So I'll definitely have to check that out. Cause that, that song, I, I, I connect with it. You know, like I know she's talking from her experience and probably to her daughter and things like that. But, um, but I'm like, I feel connected to it as a brown person, you know? You're like, of course, like, Lupita just looking like a just Oof, real she's gorgeous. She's just standing there looking all cute with, with, with lush greenery like around a mirror. Like who thinks of that? Flowers and things around the mirror and she's just looking at herself like yeah I'm cute. And <laughs> girls is like a debutante theme in the video and they're all brown girls and there's a little brown girl walking in and she's looking like wow they are beautiful. Like that's such an important message and when you're mm-hmm. when you're dealing with it's such an internal struggle struggle being a brown girl, mm-hmm. but then also being a dark-skinned brown girl is hard for yeah. a lot of women. And so Beyonce putting this song out and then having the visuals just be so moving, mm-hmm. so important. Yes. If, any, if you watch any part of it, I say that's the one. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. so good. So that's what's been feeding my soul. It's been touching every part of me when I think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. It sounds really good. I'll have to check out, especially that part, definitely. Oh, okay. Okay. So I guess that wraps it up for this week. Yes, it does. Um, follow us at Soul Search Pod on Instagram. Um, e- email us if you want. You know, we got an email, soulsearch at gmail.com. Um, and we're going to be sharing some more things. You know, we yes. do this for our our people and for ourselves me and marcella this is important to us y'all know the deal so yes y'all have a great day yes have a great day and we'll be in touch soon yes